This is Movie Maker Interviews. I'm Eric Stoyer. And today on the show, we have Jenny Popowell, director of the new documentary, American Murder, The Family Next Door. Something that can be really troubling about the true crime genre is that it's too often fascinated with the criminals in the stories, not the victims. And so framing these stories in a way that focuses all on their psychology and obsesses over the details of their lives, it ends up giving them a lot of power in a really gross way and it steals power away from the victims. That's why I really appreciated Jenny Popplewell's new documentary, American Murder, The Family Next Door. It does something pretty different. Popplewell's film is about the 2018 murders of Shanann Watts and her daughters Bella and Cece at the hands of Chris Watts, Shanann's husband and the kid's father. You might be familiar with the story. It was one of those crimes that got a ton of media attention and continues even now to have all kinds of true crime enthusiasts dissecting the case online. The film is made up entirely of archival footage, including a lot of video that Shanann had posted to Facebook in the months and years before her murder. Shanann recorded a lot of video of her family and their life together, and Popowell even ended up getting access through Shanann's parents to a lot of unpublished photos and videos that were on Shanann's laptop and phone. The movie is remarkably well-crafted out of the source material, which also includes law enforcement footage, neighbors' security cam video, and local news coverage. It doesn't really spend a lot of time trying to analyze Chris, the killer. And that's so the right choice. Popowell's much more interested in hearing from Shanann, and by focusing so heavily on Shanann's videos, the movie gives Shanann her voice back and lets her tell her own story. American Murder, The Family Next Door was released last week on Netflix. And now, Jenny Popowell. Jenny Popowell, welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. Thank you, Eric. Nice to have it. For folks who haven't seen it yet, what's the story behind American Murder, The Family Next Door? Yeah, it's a um, harrowing story about um, an ordinary family who actually represent um, a number of victims in America and the world over, where when a marriage breaks down, um, the person most likely to cause them harm is actually their husband. And we see that happen to Shanann in this film. But this film is not about um, the murder necessarily. This is a film about the breakdown of a marriage and what it's like to love someone who suddenly doesn't love you back inexplicably. And through the police investigation, who are forensically looking through his phone and asking him about his whereabouts, um, he is caught out in this lie that he's strung along for five weeks. And we see Shanann effectively play detective in her own life as she tries to get to the bottom of it. And at the end, on the last day, she, I believe at that weekend, she probably caught him. Um, and the film is really about a victim being included in their own story and not overlooked in an attempt to celebritize the uh, perpetrator. Yeah, when I, when I was watching it, it actually took me a while to realize what you were doing, that all of the material that you used in the film was pre-existing. It flows so well narratively, and you did it all without needing to set things up with voiceover or talking head interviews. Um, that choice works really well because it allows Chanan to be present and you know, a voice telling her own story. So that was the explicit intention going into this project? Yeah, um, as soon as I came across Chanan's story, I went to her Facebook page and 
was met with a wealth of videos of herself, of Bella and Cece, of uh, Chris, of them as a happy family. Um, and then as you research further, you see how much is captured on body cam. And it wasn't until his confession in February where he fully exonerates Shanann that I realized there was an opportunity to tell this story through the most authentic medium possible without needing to bring in somebody who once worked with Shanann to tell us what kind of woman she was or somebody who uh, went to school with her. Instead, Shanann is gonna tell us who she is. And in her text messages, we will see the heartbreak that was the last five weeks of her life. You use a lot of video that Shanann posted to Facebook for public viewing, but then there's all this private stuff that you got access to off of her phone and her other devices. Um, how did you get access to all of that and who was involved in making it happen? Yeah, I went out with uh, the archive producer, James Hunt, and the line producer, Haley, uh, Haley Ford. And we went to North Carolina and met with her family. And our intention was to let Shanann tell her story, that we're going to put her back in this very public, you know, everybody's talking about it. And they had been for some time online. They're still talking about it. Um, and it was time to put her back in her story. She was being erased out and people were making up narratives for her and, and theories and in some areas, conspiracy theories. Um, so when we spoke with the family and told them about our intentions, they were happy that someone was going to do that and not um, had no, I, I told them from the start, I have absolutely no interest in approaching Chris Watts. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go to him for an interview. I'm not um, going to approach anybody um, at the end, you know, I'm not going to, be sneaky and try to get an interview with anyone I want to do this entirely authentically in archive and um, they offered us her laptop and her phone for us to download uh, you know years and years worth of family videos which I mean they're heartbreaking to watch when you know you know the outcome but they're you know their weekends evolved revolved around the girls um, there's they do everything together and uh, you know Shanann didn't film for like 10 seconds she'd sometimes be recording for like five minutes and you can just see their interaction and when when he wasn't having an affair they're carefree they're enjoying each other they're playful um they had a good relationship they had a, an interesting dynamic you know she was more dominant than he was but he, he liked that he, he he is you know kind of happy to bumble along and let Shanann organize their their trips or at least I thought he liked it maybe she thought he liked it maybe he didn't and that's why he had an affair but um as I say at the end of the documentary, when Shanann says, I, sorry, I don't say it, Shanann says at the end of the documentary, um, he knew me at my worst and he accepted me. I think it's just a reminder when anyone's had an affair, they knew this person going into the relationship. He married Shanann knowing her personality and um, at some point is has decided maybe for his own um, reassurance, for his own ego, I don't know, that uh, he will be with somebody else and that they're giving him the attention he, he seeks and um, she didn't deserve that. So I just wanted to uh, make sure that people didn't re-victimize her and instead remember that this woman was fighting for a marriage that um, until that moment was working. A lot of the documentaries and books and podcasts that would be labeled true crime, they're very much focused on the murderers in these stories, much more so than the victims. And your film really turns that around. Shanann is the compelling one. And um, Chris, from the first time we see him, is really not that interesting. And luckily, you don't spend a lot of time trying to figure him out. It's really Shanann's story and the kid's story. Um, and was that something you were conscious of 
as an approach going into the project or did you come across that as you were uh, looking into these people's lives? No, I just focused. Uh, my one truth was I'm going to tell Shanann's story. So I don't care about Chris Watts. I want to know Chris Watts through Shanann's eyes. What did she see in him? What does she love about him? What does she think of him? That's the way we're going to meet Chris Watts. There's plenty of interrogation and interview about Chris where he tells the police about that he went to NASCAR, studied NASCAR. Ops. I, I don't care. He, he did something. He went to uni, whatever. Uh, not even uni, college whatever this man had a life before he destroyed this family and i'm not interested at, on putting him on any kind of pedestal or have anyone interested in, in him because it's not his story it's shenan's so that's why we forensically go into her life and we learn that she's a divorcee who lost all her confidence by her own admission and picked herself back up again you know built a house it wasn't just a house it's like a mansion she built this mansion at 25 we came across all these photos of the build um it was beautiful and she was an overachiever this woman would set herself a task and nail it and i just thought like can't we celebrate her can we just for a moment just focus on some of her good qualities the way that the press wanted to focus on what a great dad chris was and how he would do anything for anyone and he was so good with the kids why can't we do the same to shanann just in this in this film can we do that to shanann can we focus on what she achieved and who she was but not make her this two-dimensional person and only show what she achieved She's a rounded person in the film. We know all of her her traits. We know, you know, she kept an OCD level house tidy. Um, we see that when they do the search. Um, she is obsessed with her children. She takes photos of them all the time. She, um, there's so many photos of her just kissing and cuddling and um, and videos of this and like she's baking with them. She's doing activities. She's doing vision boards with them. She's taking them for little lunch dates. She's yeah, water parks, activities, you know, she's trying to give them the most full life possible and be the best mom she can be. And I think that's what we should be reporting about in the press and not what a great dad Chris was. Uh, what was it like going through all of her photos, videos and text messages? How did it feel to become so intimate with someone you'd never met? Yeah, it's, it's weird. I think even when people start, I mean, her, you know, anyone can go on there now. Her Facebook page is open still. It's memorialized. Um, she seems so alive when you go onto her Facebook page. And then, so I'd already had that experience, you know, early in 2018. But then when I came back with this drive full of family memories, um, you start to, yeah, it's weird. You just feel like, I don't know, like an, a family member that lives in another country that is living, there's plenty of people that do that. You know, you'll be in one country and your family members in the other and you have to see your family grow up through video. And I think I saw Bella and Cece grow up. With um, you know, things like text messages in particular, but, but with all of it, um, were there things you were concerned that you might come across on her phone, on her other devices? Uh, anything that felt like it might be too private to even look at? Um, the text messages are all public. They're in the discovery. The police already released them um, mm -hmm. after the crime. Um, so I, what I felt was that the text messages were being picked apart and were just being seen through this prism of dominance. And it wasn't. It was a woman fighting for her marriage and not accepting that things had changed and they couldn't fix. She was the one trying to fix things. She didn't understand why he wasn't meeting her part way. And then very quickly she realizes that the more she's pushing, the more distant he's becoming. And you can just see this change in her text where she then criticizes and is self-deprecating and 
decides that she's the problem and it's her hot-headed Italian temper that has caused this rift. And so she softens herself again and decides she's so mad at him. You can see another another messages to her friends. She's she's pregnant. She doesn't understand why he's doing it to her. He's, you know, this is a form of emotional abuse to, to pull away like this, give her no answers. Uh, she's sobbing, so, she's crying herself to sleep so many nights uh, and just asking, just tell her what's going on. Do you not love me anymore? Just tell me. And he's saying to her, no, I love you. It's all in my head. Uh, she went through that for weeks. And um, I just think that these text messages needed to be reframed in the film. I didn't, yes, that some of them are personal because she's talking about her sex life. But do you know, the reason I put that in is because I knew people would come at this and say, uh, they probably weren't sleeping together anymore. And that's why they had an affair. She pinpointed the exact moment that he stopped sleeping with her because they had a, a loving relationship. They, they, they loved each other. They were intimate and suddenly he doesn't want to touch her. And that's why I put that in there that she is still trying to be intimate with him. And she, um, I just didn't want anyone to pick her apart and, and try to hypothesize as to why he had an affair and blame it on her. Before going in to piece all of the source material together to make the film, how did you prepare? Uh, did you interview people in her life to get the story and the details and then build the film around that with all the recordings you had access to? Yeah, in the early days, I um, before the edit started, we did some pre-production and I spoke to her family members and some of her best friends. Um, there's some friends that aren't even in the film that have known her for a very long time. Um, and they told me all about her. Just so that when you know when you're creating picking out these moments are you picking out something that looks nice and is interesting but no one ever mentioned it to you in an interview and it wasn't really that big a deal to her so you just it gives you confidence when you're making these selections because yes you, you are the curator now of her of her work and you just want to make sure that this is um not an impression of shenan but this is shenan and that was um something that was confirmed when we showed her parents the film that they, they, there was not one change. They, they made no requests for us to take anything out or why did you put that in? They saw their daughter in the film and said we'd given her back her voice. How were you first introduced to the story of Shanann's murder? Yeah, it, it, I mean, in different countries, um, there are crimes that become very famous in your country. And then we've got crimes here that I thought everybody knew about and I thought they were global news and then I was speaking to the rechecks about them and they'd never heard of them. So in this, for example, I'm in the UK and, and here very few people had heard of um, Shanann Watts, but um, she did appear in some, some of our newspapers uh, briefly because the, the crime was solved so quickly, you know, it, it, it was all solved, you know, he is arrested, suddenly there's a plea deal and then he, I think he's in prison quicker than we probably have solved a parking ticket here in the UK. So it was you could easily have missed that news, uh, especially as it didn't happen in this country. Um, but I just uh, came across it one day and then went down the rabbit hole looking at her Facebook and investigating more videos and um, decided that she just, yeah, really connected with her and wanted to help her um, be heard and not um, torn apart. I just, I just felt really bad about how, and not everyone's doing it. Obviously, there are some very normal people out there that see this as a woman who... Um, did not deserve anything that happened to her. Uh, the affair or murder, not, none, nothing that happened to her is something she brought on herself. Um, and that's fine. I'm happy that that's how they see it. 
uh, but there is a dark corner of the internet that enjoys that vast amount of archive that they have access to and they enjoy creating content which they'll charge for they'll you know go into patreon or they'll they'll monetize their, their pages with all her content and it really bothers her family because her legacy slowly is being eroded and twisted and made ugly and that wasn't the shenan they knew and um they're just so tired of defending her and the, the trolls example is um if you don't like it just leave facebook if you don't like it don't watch my youtube video if their family member died and somebody kept taking their photos and creating horrible content about it i don't think they'd remain quiet either or feel like they could just leave it unchallenged it's they're driven to protect her um they need to keep her um her memory safe and these people are trampling all over it and it's a tragedy and that's why i wanted to highlight that in the film so th this is something that's, that's still happening online i mean the the, the murder itself the murders uh, were, were uh, solved in, in just a matter of days but but you're saying people are still doing armchair detective work online there's um I, see that's thing i didn't name them in the film they're probably pretty mad because they they're um there are a lot of egos in that group that enjoy the handles. There's a, there's a lot of bickering between these groups as well. They've, they've all got um, different handles. I'm not going to name them. Um, and they argue amongst themselves and bicker. Uh, and it, it helps them create content and people will keep moving between <laughs> these videos. And it's, it's very, you know, school schoolyard behavior as they're all falling out with each other and people aren't trusting each other and the chats it's quite funny you spend a lot of time laughing at them if it wasn't so tragic when you realize the rest of the time what they're what they're talking about when but when they're bickering amongst themselves it's um because somebody said something about them in one of their youtube videos so that it's this this troll mentality i mean there's a whole documentary to made about trolls and their psychology it's, it's odd that i find that they can pick apart shenan and be literally the lowest form of <laughs> I, I have a very, very low opinion of these these people that are creating this content. Um, talking about them, I know it um, inflates their ego and they like it and they like that we have watched their videos, but that's in the interest of research. We've seen everything about the case, including the people that talk about it. Um, one of them, one of them thought it'd be a really good idea after the film came out to out herself as the person in one of the videos and still stands by what she said. She thinks that we've cherry picked one, one sentence and that that doesn't give context to what she said. But um, I mean, she's vile. She is a vile, vile person. And um, if anyone wants to go on and listen to it, you can, you can see that there's uh, plenty more where that came from. Um, it would be a real shame if the one legacy from this film isn't that at least for 24 hours the trolls would just just be quiet just for a few minutes let the family enjoy the fact that shenan is being remembered in this way stop tearing her apart um yeah i this yeah they, they won't they'll continue they'll talk about this forevermore and i can't make them go away i can't make them stop and no one can the family have tried for years no one can make them stop uh, there's there's one video of chris that i'd love for you to shed some light on uh, there's like this clip of him rehearsing some kind of presentation about relationships. Um, absolutely weird. What's the source of that? And, and um, were you just astounded when you came across it? Yeah, I mean, that is Chris on his own YouTube. Um, he closed his Facebook page uh, a few weeks before the crimes um, because obviously he doesn't want to give himself away. But his YouTube was left up and it's um, some kind of like seminar. It's a little speech, a presentation that he's doing for work 
for like public presentation and he's chosen to do it on relationship deterioration and repair um but it is like listening to an 11 year old's idea of what a relationship is he this man has no depth um no emotional intelligence he thinks that if you don't uh, i mean people should go and seek it out it's uh, it's quite funny but um unfortunately that, those ideas that he had uh, all those years ago about how a relationship works and how maybe you would then someone else is more interesting at work and maybe you would leave that relationship for this other one he in almost a, a shakespearean way predicted his future and he it's, it's play by play for what happened uh, which is why we used it in the film but it, that is how he thinks about relationships um and it, it's quite black and white for him this is a man who had to google how do i know i'm in love so he's he's not um, the most emotionally intelligent and um, Shanann was. So they were mismatched in that way. And she's desperately trying to get him to talk to her. She's desperately trying to get him. She says in a text message um, to her friend that she's written him a letter because he doesn't talk about his feelings and it'll be better if he writes them down. He never wrote the letter back. He obviously, when she came back, he killed her instead. But the the fact that he can't talk about his feelings i think is the issue here he doesn't talk about his the fact he's having an affair with his best friend he doesn't talk about it with his father mm-hmm. he internalized everything and then this tragedy it's not even a tragedy a tragedy was suggested it's accident this right. uh this crime this crime happened and um it was whatever was going on inside chris's head that he never spoke professionally about you know spoke to a therapy i don't know he needed to talk to somebody um and he didn't he kept it inside and this is what happened was there anything you wanted to use in the film, but it just didn't end up working out for some reason? Yeah, there was a nice um, little scene that I thought, again, was quite telling of their relationship, but also surprised me with Shanam. And um, it's in their wedding. Um, they do a little Mr. and Mrs. Uh, conversation. The DJ says to, they sit back to back, they've got a paddle each, and they say, who kissed who first? And they both put up the paddle and it's Chris. And uh, that's corroborated with her story. You know, she's a divorcee. He's pursued her. She's done with men. She doesn't. She doesn't want another relationship. She's pushing him away. But he wears her down, and she decides, okay, he's the one for me. And then the next question is, who said I love you first? I was expecting it to be Chris again, but it's not. They put the paddle up, and it was Shanann. And I just thought, exactly, this is who she was. She was someone who wore her her heart on her sleeve. Um, she if she felt something she told you she was so open with her friends she's open with her family she was open with chris and he was not and um yeah she loved him and when she loved him she told him and when there was when they were in trouble she begged him to tell her why and he could not offer that courtesy how long did it take to make the film in total seems like a real feat of editing uh, it took about eight months of production in total uh, in the edit. I was in the edit with Simon Barker, who is the most phenomenal editor. And the fact that everyone's saying it's so well put together, that's hugely down to him. Um, the editing process was about five months. Yeah, it's, it's involved. And what was the biggest obstacle you faced in making the film? Um, <laughs> some of the material, you know, the body cam is very hissy. Um, some of Shanann's material is shot portrait. So for a little while there, we're looking at the material that's not high res, the sound quality, you know, they're speaking off camera, off microphone. Um, the the footage is, is portrait. Um, we had to overcome that creatively and, um, or it's all shot on a wide, you know, it's, there's one wide shot in the room. So we had to work out how do we, we're not going to play this for five hours. How do we use this bit here? And 20 minutes later, he comes back to that thought. We want to put these together. He went off on a tangent. We don't need that. Let's carry on 
he, he's saying this, let's carry on talking about it. So we had to work out how to cut a single wide shot without leaving the room. We wanted to stay in the room. It was intense and we wanted to stay there and, and not look away or cover it with a picture or um so we came up with this wipe idea like because it was a cctv it was a glitch so we did a rolling wipe um so that it, it's not distracting and it just keeps you focused on what's being said um shanann's material is portrait uh majority of, majority of her material is portrait because of how she held her phone so and she obviously spoke to most of that material was a lot of that material was on facebook so we put that in the uh, facebook framework but it also meant that we could then when we're showing one video one photo rather than try to select right this one photo and this one video sums up shanann and their relationship we were able to utilize the grid on facebook and every time you saw a photo you'd also get another selection of collection of photos around that period of time or we'd go into an album and open an album and you suddenly see 30 photos on screen at one time and i think it was a very visual way to uh, digest so much more of her than try to sum her up in a couple of photos Speaking of the, the Facebook framework, was, was Shanann um, only posting on Facebook or was she active on other uh, platforms as well? And, and was she posting her videos primarily as updates for friends and family or was she someone who had built like a public audience online? Yeah, so she had two, uh, she has one Facebook, but she had two, um, almost two audiences. So she had, you know, when you click on the world view and it's global, so global was for her uh, her company. So she was working for a company called Thrive and uh, she was encouraging other people to follow her and she was going to sell this product, which she genuinely believed worked. So she was sharing it. She was doing really well at it. She was succeeding. She was having trips and um, she had a car from this and um, it meant that she was able to earn money and still be at home and see her children. And the other method of Facebook and her presentation was on the private mode where it only shared with immediate friends and family in her group. So that was the photos on there that we use. And I actually, I don't suppose people have noticed, but within the film, I changed the view. So it's either global where she's making a big presentation or there's some trips like to the beach where it was just for friends, it was just for family. So that was really because, you know, both their parents were in North Carolina and they're in Colorado. So they want them to be present and see these moments in their life growing up so they'd they'd capture them and share them and that medium you're not going to send a massive video over your over a text message you know she it was a perfect way to um document and keep albums of all this digital of their lives of the girls uh, so many people do that um she's obviously been accused of oversharing or having a fake life or I think that's unfair. I don't think she had a fake life. I think, yes, of course, for her business, she is sharing the very best of herself. Um, but she also opened up about um, past experiences and did share a lot of herself in these live videos. Um, and obviously, we then made sure she was a rounded and dynamic person in the film as well by because um, she, you know, she comes out uh, her true sides. Also, her full side comes out in those text messages where she is criticizing herself. You know, she, she, her confidence is shot. Uh, she doesn't know what's happened and that's where she starts to blame herself and it's so endearing that she does that and um, I just hope people notice those endearing qualities and don't just focus that she's firing off an angry text because he suddenly really let her down but also think have we never fired off angry texts ourselves sure yeah no I, I feel like you've done a really great job balancing all of that so that the film presents Shanann and you see this very real person. And uh, I really enjoyed getting to know Shanann through this film. And of course, I was crushed by what happened to her. So I guess to close things out, what, what do you want people to 
leave with when when they when they see this film? What should they take away? Um, I want them to think that Shanann's story is harrowing and tragic, and I can see the response already online is that people are really affected by it. You know, people are talking about finishing the film and kissing their children or sitting in silence. Some are sobbing, some are some are just completely dumbfounded and, you know, are finding it hard to think about anything else for a period after watching it. Um, but I also want them to remember that Shanann represents so many victims, so many women um, are murdered by their partner every day around the world. Uh, so many women um fall foul to a perpetrator and then we blame them in some way you know there'll be a trial where they're picked apart or um yeah i, I just think that she represents herself brilliantly but i think she is also an excellent representation of other women who weren't able to have their voices heard jenny popperwell really enjoyed talking thanks very much for your time thank you eric it's great talking to you and thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, Jenny Popowell's new documentary, American Murder, The Family Next Door, is available now on Netflix. Follow us at MovieMakerMag on Twitter and uh, check us out at MovieMaker.com where we post stories every day about filmmaking, filmmakers. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Give us a nice rating say something nice about us. It's all appreciated. For Movie Maker Interviews, I'm Eric Stoyer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon.